Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. We are in a series, uh, coincidentally enough, not really, it's all planned, called Tell All Your Friends. And uh, what we're talking about is the importance and the power of sharing your faith in Jesus with the people around you. I'm going to say that again. The importance and power of sharing your faith in Jesus with the people around you. And week one, we talked about what we have. And specifically, we have what the world needs. That the world is uh, lost and hurting, broken, and incapable of fixing itself. And we need something or someone outside of itself to fix it. And if you know Jesus, you have it, and the world needs it. This is the reality. We really walked through some of the, the um, obvious impacts that sin and brokenness has impacted our world and how the hope, the gospel of Jesus Christ, can actually transform and go into those dark places. Tonight we're going to talk about what we tell, what we tell. Um, and I don't think I gave any notes so that's okay, because I actually, the reason I'm sitting down is because I want, it, I want us to be kind of like lecture style tonight. So I've got a lot of information, and I want you guys to flip in your Bibles. And if you have a physical Bible that you can actually flip in, like with pages, that is awesome, okay? You get extra points for that. If not, the app works just as well. Or if you use the YouVersion Bible app, you can follow along on the events page. All the notes are in there, Okay? So no excuse. Are you there? Can, I, can somebody show me that they're on the events page, that they're using the events page? Gosh, that's so cool. Is that helpful? I love that. I think it's so cool. Um, sick. All right. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about what we tell. What are we telling our friends? <laughs> tell all your friends. Now, we sang about it really simply that Jesus loves them. And I'm sure many of us have all been in a situation where we want to tell people about our faith, Right? We've been in a situation where maybe uh, uh, something has come up, some idea, some concept, and there's this impulse or this, this prodding inside of us that say, I, I know what they need to hear. Uh, there, there's some desire. I want to tell them the, 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 about Jesus or about youth, but we've all struggled to find the words to say. We, we've all either chickened out and we're like, I just don't know if I can do it. Or we think, where do I even start? Or what if I say it wrong? Or, or, or do I even know anything? You ever been there? You're like, uh, uh, like I don't even know where to start. What, what, I, I don't even, am I even a Christian? I don't even know what I'm talking about. And this, can, this sort of unknowing can cause us to not share anything or we don't know what to say and so we, we just avoid it altogether. But the question, and the Apostle Paul actually poses this question in the book of Romans, how can our friends and our world hear the message of Jesus unless someone shares it? It's been said that Christianity is always one generation away from extinction. Meaning that unless the current generation understands it and shares it, it'll go away. And it's our time. We want to see the message of Jesus flourish in our generation it's up to you guys. It's up to us to be the people of God. We're not waiting on our parents. We're not waiting on the church next door. We're not waiting on adults to get it together. We are the people that are going to carry the message of Jesus to our generation. 
And we want to see it flourish in our day and age. And we want to leave a legacy behind for our kids and our grandkids. We want to be those people. It's our turn. And so we're going to talk about really what we tell. What is it that we're sharing and how do we see the gospel? How do we see the message of Jesus flourish in our generation? All right, the first thought and the first place we're going to be in is in Mark chapter 1. And like I said, it's going to be a little luxury, and so we're going to talk about some things. But this first thought is that Jesus exemplifies. Okay, this is what we're going to talk about. Mark chapter 1, verse 14, it says this. Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, and saying, quote, this is Jesus speaking, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Okay, now if you're doing Bible study, one of the things that you do when you're observing a passage of Scripture is you look for keywords and you look for repeated words. What's a repeated word in this verse? In these two verses, a repeated word. Come on, a repeated word. Look down, it's right there. If you have the Bible events page, repeated words, said it twice. Verse 14, 15. All right, preaching the, and then believe in the gospel. So twice in these verses, the word gospel is there. Now, if you, if you are familiar with church, or you've been around for a while, you've heard this word before. If you've never been to church before, you've probably never heard this word before. This isn't a word that we just throw around casually, right? We mean something specific if we're talking about this word, the gospel. And we're told that Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So specifically, what are we to tell our friends? Well, we're to tell them the gospel. So the question should emerge, right? What's the gospel? right? If we're supposed to tell people the gospel, we should ask the question, what is that? Do we know it? So the gospel, what is it? Well, the gospel, that word, it means good news. It comes from the word euangelion. Euangelion, fun word. Uh, any guesses on what we get, uh, what word we get from that? Euangelion. Evangelism. Thank you, Shane. Shane, was, the pastor got it right. Thanks, bud. Um, Evangelism or evangelical, those types of ideas. The word euangelion, it literally means good news. Okay? So the gospel, euangelion, it literally means good news. And it means to, it either means is the good news or to tell good news. That's the idea. The gospel, it is good news, but it also carries the idea to speak of, to share this good news. And that's sort of the thing about good news, isn't it? You want to tell people good news? Like when something good happens to you, you want to tell somebody about it. Uh, just this week, uh, our church is buying a new keyboard for the sanctuary next door. And uh, yeah, great, great news. But Pete, Pastor Pete, our worship leader, he was like so fired up, he called one of the keyboard players for the worship team, and the keyboard player answered, and he's like, did you butt dial me again? And he's like, no, we bought a new keyboard. And he's like, oh, that's great. All right, see you later, man. Like, good news, you want to, even, it's like, that's okay news, that's pretty sweet, but we want to tell people, right? We want to share in the good news. And we're told that Jesus came to share, to bring the good news. And even in these two verses that we just read, 
we see a very clear explanation of what the gospel is. He says first, notice again, back in that verse, look down, I'm going to call on it a few times. But in verse 15, he says the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Remember, it says Mark gives a summary in verse 14. He says that Jesus went to uh, uh, Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. And then he quotes his message. He says the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, relationship with God is available to all. Let me say it again. When he says the kingdom of God is at hand, he says relationship with God is available to all. Jesus in his life would reveal and explain to the world that the kingdom, what the kingdom of God is like. Unlike what people may have thought about the kingdom of God, what it would be like, Jesus brought a kingdom of love, of grace, of humility, and accessibility to all. Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is available. The gospel, listen, begins with God and his love for us and his willingness to make himself available to us. One of the things that makes Christianity and the message of Jesus stand in contrast to every other religion in our day and in our world is that it stems from God loving us. That God loves us and his grace comes to us so that we could have relationship with God. Every other religion is a, a religion based on merit. In other words, what you do for God. The gospel says God loves you. God came to earth. The kingdom of God is available to all. So Jesus comes preaching this message as the kingdom of God is here and it's available to all. He then says, second word, the kingdom of God is at hand. And then what's the next word he says? Somebody say it. Repent. Repent. Anybody know what that word means, repent? To turn away, or more specifically, to turn around. It's to go in a direction and to say, I am turning away from that, or I'm turning around, and I'm going in the opposite direction. So Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. And so in order to experience the kingdom of God that's at hand, he tells us to do something. What does he say? You just said it a second ago. He says, repent. Okay, so the kingdom of God is available, but the direction of life, the direction of humanity is going in the opposite direction. So repent to experience the kingdom of God. The reason God came is because our sin keeps us from God. And so our sin must be taken away. It must be dealt with. So I'm going to say that again. It's important. We're, we're talking some big uh, theological ideas, and then we're going to make it bite-sized at the end. Does that sound good? But I want us to understand big picture what we're talking about. The reason God came is because our sin keeps us from God. And so our sin must be taken away. It must be dealt with. Sin is the cause of our brokenness, and it's the cause of our separation from God. Listen, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2 says this, but your iniquities, iniquities is another word for sin. It says your iniquities, your sin, have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. Our sin separates us from God. It causes a rift. It causes brokenness between God and ourself. And so he says, repent, turn, so that you can be forgiven. And then finally he says, believe in the gospel. So the kingdom of God is available. Repent and believe in the gospel. 
We must place faith, what he says, in the gospel, believe in the gospel. Now, for the rest of the book of Mark, and we're not going to obviously go through the, next, the rest of the book of Mark, but for the rest of the book of Mark, Jesus will show, live, explain, and invite people to believing his gospel. So, so when, when Jesus makes this statement and the way Mark writes out his book, he says, Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, believe in the gospel. Now, if you are at this time hearing just this message, if this is all you know, right, this, this verse, if you're hearing it in their language, it would say, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the good news. So you would ask the question, right? You would say, well, what's the good news? What is it? I don't know. And at this point, Jesus hasn't died, resurrected, ascended, right? But he still says, repent and believe in the gospel. So for the rest of the book of Mark, Jesus will show, live, explain, and invite people into his gospel. Because, listen, this is the key, and this is where my point comes in. Jesus is and introduces the gospel to the world. Jesus is the gospel, and he introduces the gospel to the world. Jesus is the gospel. One person said it like this, one commentator. He says, the gospels are the gospel. What what am I talking about? Okay, if you have a, does anybody have a physical Bible? Real, Real Bible. Okay, what is, when it says the book of Mark, what does it say right above it? Does it say something? The gospel according to Mark, right? The gospel according to Mark. And then he's going to show for us the whole life, teaching, ministry, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. The gospel is the gospels. Are you with me? The message of Jesus is the life, ministry, miracles, mission, all of that of Jesus. The gospels is the gospel. So Jesus is and introduces the gospel to the world. Does that make sense? Are you with me? The message of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus, all of that is the gospel. You with me? Jesus exemplifies. He is and introduces the gospel to us. But our Bible doesn't end with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the gospels, right? The gospel according to Matthew, according to Mark, according to Luke, according to John. Are you guys with me? This is why I'm sitting down, right? Because we're we're teaching. You with me? Okay, so Jesus exemplifies, but thought number two, you can write this down, Paul explains. The apostle Paul, who is a famous character in the Bible, he's going to explain, he's going to expound theologically upon what's happening or what happens through the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He's going to expound theologically, but listen, he's going to simplify in our communication. Okay, I'm going to say that again, because I know you guys are like, what is he talking about? It'll make sense, but I, I want you to guys to kind of like highbrow understand a little bit, and then we'll make it uh, bite-sized, Okay. Paul is going to expound theologically. In other words, he's going to show us in his letters, and the other New Testament writers do it as well, 
but we're going to use Paul. He's going to explain what's happening from a theological framework of what happens when we repent and believe in the gospel. Right? Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what happens? What does that look like? What does that mean? Paul will expound upon that, but then he'll also simplify it in a way that we can communicate it in a few sentences. Because if the gospels are the gospel, then in order for us to like tell all our friends about Jesus, we'd have to like memorize all the gospels, right? So we've got to simplify it. We've got to understand it. We've got to get down to, okay, what is it? What is the message that we're sharing? Does that make sense? Okay, so Paul explains. And the rest of the New Testament, we have an explanation of all that Jesus said and did and how it impacts our life. Okay, so a couple verses. And if you have a Bible, you can turn there. I'm going to turn there in mine so we can flip through. We're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 1. But again, it's on the events note as well. Romans, chapter 1. And we referenced this verse last week. And I think it's important for us to see it again. The Apostle Paul's writing, and he says this. For I am not ashamed of the what? The gospel of Christ for, ready, because it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Okay, Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is the tool in which God uses to bring about salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel is the power of God, the gospel is the power of Christ, or the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So how? Are you guys tracking with my questions? Okay, the gospel, the message of Jesus, is the power of God to salvation. Well, how does that work? Well, Paul, in his writings, will tell us how. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says it like this. I'm going to turn there again. I have it in my notes, but I want to turn there. Paul says in verse 8, but what does it say? That's his question. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Listen, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see it? Okay, Paul in chapter 1 says the gospel is the power of God into salvation. Well, how does it happen? He says, well, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. The gospel is the power to save when we believe in Jesus. You with me? Have I lost anybody yet? Are you bored? Don't answer that. Okay, so the gospel is the power to save when we believe in Jesus. And notice there is a distinction. We'll talk about this more as we close the message. But notice there's a distinction. There's a believing in your heart and there's a confession with your mouth. You could put it like this. There's an inward belief and then there's an outward lifestyle change. Right? You believe in your heart, but Christianity is not supposed to just stay hidden in your heart. It con- it's a confession of your mouth, meaning it's your life agrees with your belief. 
Your lifestyle agrees with your belief. What you say and how you act and how you react is in agreement with. It doesn't contradict what you believe. So it's believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. So another question, what happens when we believe that allows us to be saved? Right, so we're believing in Jesus. He says that you believe in your heart uh, or that you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. So you recognize him as Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. So what's happening? Right? What's the big picture? What's happening? Uh, turn back a page, if you have a real Bible, to Romans 5.8. It says this. But God demonstrates his, love, his own love towards us. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then one more verse, Romans 6.23 says this. For... The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm going to read those two sort of like they flow together. I know there's lots of stuff in between, and I'm not trying to ignore it. I just want us to see a big picture thought for a moment. It says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, well, why'd you die for us? Where's the connection between sin and death? Are you with me? Like, why, why, I don't get it. I don't get why, why did my sin make Jesus die? Well, it answers it. Because the wages of sin is death. In other words, the, the payment for our sin, what we should receive because of our sin. Do you guys know what wages are? Wages are your paycheck. You clock in, you clock out, and you hope that what you, the hours that you worked matched what you agreed to be paid for those hours. Are you with me? That's wages. So the wages of sin, what you worked, invested in sin, life, disobedience, the wages, the payment, what we deserve is death. But, it's a great but, isn't it? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And God demonstrates this love for us and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Our sin brings about death. Sin destroys our relationship with God. Sin destroys our relationship with others. And sin destroys our view of self. Our sin destroys and distorts our relationship with God. Our sin ruins relationship with others, right? When we lie or we gossip or we slander or we ignore or we do, if sin ruins our relationship with each other, and then sin destroys our view of self. And God loves us. Listen to me. God loves us and moves towards us even though we're sinners. And through Christ's death, he paid the penalty for our sin and gives us new life. Let me summarize it, okay? And I put this at the conclusion. I mean, somebody airdropped the computer and it just played through the speakers. Um, we know who you are. All right. Um, let me summarize, okay? And I put this at the bottom of the event. So this is, I think, a good summary for us when we're talking about the gospel. We are all sinners and all broken. But God loves us and can make us whole. And he makes us whole when we place faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I'm going to read it again. We are all sinners and we're all broken. 
but God loves us and can make us whole. He makes us whole when we place faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, before we close, a couple of thoughts. You guys still with me? All right, I'm going to kind of go a little more application as we close. But I want us to get a, a big picture understanding of what the gospel is. Now, before we move on, let's talk about what Christianity isn't. Okay? What Christianity isn't. Number one, Christianity isn't morality. <clears throat> Some people think that the gospel or Christianity is not cussing, not having sex before marriage, not listening to secular music, or not doing general bad things. And if you don't do those things, then you're saved. And that's kind of a, 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 especially if you've grown up in church, you think, okay, what is being a Christian? Well, it means I don't do bad things. This is not the gospel. This is an attempt to earn approval from God by what you do. Now, let me, say, let me tell you, all of those things that uh, are things that a Christian should stay away from. But it doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to church makes you a Christian. Does that make sense? D doing Good things doesn't make you a Christian. Doing good things doesn't, make, doesn't restore broken relationship between God and humanity. It doesn't. That's morality. That's us just trying to be better and trying to get God's attention. The gospel is the kingdom of God is here. Jesus says it's available. God has come to earth. We sang about it tonight. You didn't want heaven without us, so Jesus, you brought heaven down. You made it available to all of us. So Christianity isn't morality. Secondly, Christianity isn't belief. Christianity isn't belief. A lot of people have faith, right? Mormons have faith. Jehovah's Witnesses, Muslims, Buddhists, atheists, they all have faith. And just believing in something is not the gospel. Just believing in something is not the gospel. Because listen, there's a right thing to believe in, and there's a wrong thing you can believe in. And so we need to understand that just having faith or saying, man, I just, Christianity works for me, but whatever works for you, that's fine. It's all the same. It's, we just all have faith. We'll all sing kumbaya one day. That's not the gospel. It's actually an offense to people of other religions to say that all religions are the same. You tell a Muslim that, that grew up in, in Islam that ah, it's all the same, that's an offense to him. Right, because, because there's this reality that there's got to be something. <laughs> and so the gospel, what we believe in, what history sh shows us, and what confessions of Christians from throughout generations, and just going back historically, Christianity is the way to God. Christianity, faith in Jesus Christ is the way to God, but Christianity isn't belief. Okay, finally, you guys still with me? You sure? Yeah. All right. That's what Christianity isn't. It isn't morality. It isn't just belief. What Christianity is. Well, number one, it's a decision. Every person has to decide to place their faith in Jesus. It's been said, I've said it before, and I'll say it again, God has no grandchildren. And no one is forced to be a Christian. Every individual has to make a decision. What are you going to do with Jesus? 
What, are you going to bow the knee and say, he is Lord of my life? Will you ignore him? Will you just place him on this, like, ah, he, he can hang out over here. He's not bothering anybody. He's just going to go there. What do you do with Jesus? It's a decision that you have to make. It's something that we have to decide to follow. But it's also not only a decision, it's a direction. Christianity isn't a transaction. It's transformation. Okay, it's not becoming a Christian isn't just a one time prayer and then you get a ticket to heaven. All right. All right. Everybody repeat after me. All right. Line up. Here's your ticket to heaven. Go do whatever you want. We'll see you in heaven. No, it's not a one time decision. Oh, yeah, I made that when I was in high school. I I did that at 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 a camp at VBS when I was nine. I made that decision. It's both a decision that you make, but it's also direction that you head in. That's why Jesus' invitation is always follow me and rarely believe in me. Right? It'd be weird for Jesus to go up to people in the flesh and be like, hey, believe in me. Like, you're right here. What Jesus invites people into is follow me. Leave an old life behind and come follow after me. It's a decision and it's a direction. All right, worship team, you can come up here. I'm basically done. Has this been helpful? I want us to be equipped to understand what the gospel is so that we can tell our friends what it is. And again, I I, I think there's a lot that we have to understand, I think, in a deep level when we talk about this idea. But I just want to boil it down. Like, if, if, if it comes up, what do I say? Well, I think a simple, great way to start is that we're all sinners. We're all broken. And, and, and people don't have to use a, a big portion of their imagination to see their brokenness. Right? Our anxiety tells us or our, our, our struggles tell us or our, our doubts tell us we are all broken. But God loves us and he can make us whole. He makes us whole when we place faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And listen, all of that is possible because God loves us and God seeks out the things that are lost. God loves us and seeks out those that are lost. A friend of mine, just about a month ago, her cat ran away. Yeah, we all know her. And uh, her cat ran away. And so first it started out as a post on her Instagram story, like, hey, keep an eye out for my cat. Like, we can't find her. She ran away. Real casual. Then a few days pass, and then it goes from a post on Instagram to some flyers that went around town. And then the flyers got updated, and the post got updated to not just a post and flyers, but now a reward. Hey, if anybody can find my cat, I'll give you, I think it was like $200. Please just help me find my cat. And 12 days had passed from the time the cat disappeared. Now, I am a man of faith, but not that much faith. And I figured 12 days, the cat's gone. Right? Like, hate to be that guy, but the cat's gone. She had people praying. She had people searching, going door to door. She was, uh, like, relentless to find this cat. After 12 days, she gets a call in the middle of the night that her neighbor, like, 
a mile and a half down the road, heard a cat meowing in the attic. In their own attic, they heard a cat meowing. They're like, woke up, what is that? They crawl up into the attic, there's her cat. Almost two miles from the house, in somebody else's house, in their attic, there's the cat. And the reason they found it is because this flyer had been put on their door. They saw it, and in the middle of the night, she drove over, gave them the money, got her packed out after almost two weeks. And I just got to think, like, if you are willing to go through all of that for a cat, how much more is God willing to go through to get to you? Like, if we're willing to seek and save a cat that's been gone for two weeks, pay a fine, put up flyers, walk the neighborhood, walk miles, like, you got to find my cat. How much more does God want to rescue and redeem and save those that are lost and broken without him? And it's important that we recognize that God, God loves us. God wants to make broken things whole. He wants to find lost things and bring them home. That God loves us. And that is what we're sharing with the world. It's simple. Man, we are lost. We are broken. We're confused. We don't know who we are. We've got broken relationship with friends. We don't know what our future holds. We, we are just lost. And Jesus can give us direction. Jesus can give us identity. Jesus can give us hope. 